What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the Batfoot. Yes, Commissioner. Batman. We'll be right there. Beth, bam, pow. This is Batman Land. This week we take a look at the Justice League movie starring the Caped Crusader on the big screen. We're Batman and Robin, the crime fighters. I'm joined here by regular Batman Land contributors, Nick Bassine, Fiona Williams. Hello. Pleasure to be here. My name's Dan Barrett. Uh, guys. Yes. There's a big movie out right now. We usually talk about the 1966 Batman TV show on this podcast, but we were talking about it and the fact that this is the only film really to feature Batman that's coming out during the duration of the Batman Land chat. I thought this is a good opportunity to discuss, first of all, the movie broadly, but also, I mean, just the depiction of Batman on the big screen, because it's rare we get the opportunity to do that. And fortuitous, one's landed right as we're recording the show. The world remains in mourning after the death of Superman. Violence, acts of war, and terrorism are all on the rise. I had a dream. It was the end of the world. Divided. We are not enough. The world needs Superman. why I brought you together. Fiona, you're a resident film critic. What did you think of Justice League? Well, um, I know it's copped a bit of a bucketing, but I did not mind it, I've got to be honest. I don't think it's a great film, but I think it's better than Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice or whatever it was called. I think where they were deathly serious, I think this one does add humour due to the switching directors, which we'll get to, I suppose. It has issues, but broadly I came out saying, yeah, that was okay. We will get to my broader issues with it, but my takeaway is seem better, seem worse. Yeah, I'll we'll put that on the poster. I was very surprised you were a bit more favourable towards it than the broader consensus. Yeah. But Nick, what did you think? Because I don't actually know what you thought of the film yet. Um, like the Zack Snyder part of it, I, um, I liked moments. So uh, I think overall it stinks, but there were some moments that I I enjoyed and it made me appreciate being in there. But um, at the end, I felt um, really unsatisfied. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Now, I went in, I saw the critical dropping that it was receiving. Uh, myself and Fiona were in the same session for mm. the Australian premiere of it. Correct. Now, just as we were going into that, that is when the embargo had broken overseas. So all the reviews started flowing through. And your session, because there were two sessions at the same time. Yeah, I was half an hour before, so there was nothing when I was going in. Yeah, but when I was in there, like suddenly I'm reading like the variety <laughs> review of it and everything else just as, you know, the um, preamble is happening before well, the screening. Well, I switched off your phone, Dan. I did, obviously, after I read, read all the reviews. But you read reviews right before the, the movie started. I did. because That's got to be the breaking. worst <laughs> way to see a movie. Especially yeah. for this one. Oh, man. But anyway, I went in expecting the worst because all the reviews were just terrible. Mm. I didn't hate it. Mm. I don't think it's a good movie. Mm. I want to establish that up for the, up the front of this. I don't think it's good, but it's, there's definitely stuff in it. There were pleasures to take away from it. Well, I was just incredibly invested in the mother boxes. <laughs> I think that was re- that's how I really um, that emotionally anchored me to the movie. So you're being incredibly sarcastic with that. But the mm-hmm. thing with the comics is the mother boxes are actually like this really cool, weird bit of um, comic type. Uh, what would you even call it? MacGuffin. Uh, MacGuffins. 
in the movies, they're incredibly flat. There is nothing fun about the mother boxes in this. <laughs> magic, magic boxes. It's Let's the just put dumbest them journey that they have to go on. Let's get these three boxes. How many <laughs> boxes do we have to get? Three? Seven yeah. out of three boxes, is that right? Okay. So that's well, two for two, one more to go. Yeah, yeah here we whatever. go. Whatever, that's, that's just, how is that better than Avengers in the... Um, same thing, the stones, of the same box. stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exact same thing. That, yeah, and noticing uh, those kinds of parallels was also making me not enjoy it. Like, this is... <laughs> It's just like the stones, the yeah. Infinity Stones. Whereas in the comic books, the mother boxes are just these things that help people out with stuff. I guess um, I was really happy to see um, treasured characters that I'd grown up with, like Cyborg <laughs> and Steppenwolf, who apparently doesn't look anything like that in the comics. That's yeah. what I've... Now, I don't really know Steppenwolf from the <laughs> comics at all. Uh, it comes from the Jack Kirby Fourth World characters, which is where the mother boxes come from, and the character Darkseed or Darkseid, depending on how you want to pronounce it. How do you spell it? Uh, it's S-E-I-D. S- yeah, okay. S-E-I-D. And Dark being the traditional way you spell chocolate. I have to just say, I'm a little bit, um, even in the Marvel Universe, whenever comic books veer into space... And there's just no rules. Everyone's got crazy powers. I don't know how anyone defeats anyone else unless you're Superman. For me, comic book movies and comic book characters are just much more interesting when they're grounded um, in reality. It's why I, why I like Batman so much, because he doesn't have powers, and they make a joke about it in the movie. But mm. he's, um, he's just a dude who's a super gymnast and a scientist, solves crimes. Mm. Racked with guilt in this one for... Killing Superman. Yeah, so dumb. Spent the whole movie trying to kill Superman and for a did. bullshit reason. <laughs> and then he did it. And then he feels bad about it. And the next movie, oh, God, it's exhausting. Well, he is only human. And this is where the film wavered a little bit for me because the premise of the film is that the death of Superman has plunged the world into darkness and it's led to the polarizing politics and just the general horrendous circumstances in which we live. Which, in a sense, could be used as a metaphor for this entire movie series. Indeed, indeed. But I think that she gets Wonder Woman. Isn't she embodiment of hope? And she was in the other one, Batman versus Superman. So it kind of forgets that she was there. Like that premise of Superman, with the death of Superman, it's the end of all hope. But Well, they have that moment. There's that moment between um, Batman and Wonder Woman where he says, you should be stepping up to the plate Mm. because you're... Super powerful. Correct. But she does, because in the first scene we see her, she's saving a bank robbery and yeah. she's visible, she's out there in the world. So I, that's a bit disjointed for me. It forgets that Batman versus Superman and that first scene when he says that. Well, because th- he's talking about the events post-Wonder Woman, which were post-World War One. I think the suggestion is that, yes, while she's Wonder Woman, she's out there in the world, but she's not really truly connecting with people. She's not making personal relationships with anyone. She doesn't have those actual tangential touchstones to humanity since the death of Steve Trevor. Uh, And I actually thought it was handled reasonably well in regards to explaining why she'd seen so dark previously and so distant from everything by and large. Yeah, sure. In the timeline, I just don't think it quite adds up because she she was quite prominent in Batman vs Superman and... At the start of this film, when she has, the, when you see her saving, right, right, I guess and she's up there on the Statue of Liberty. Does this this takes place right after? Is it right after Batman versus Superman? Is that the understanding? Uh, so I think it's Pretty supposed much. to be like about a okay. year or so later. I think it's. Uh, I think she was criminally underused. I think they needed to make more of her. She's the best thing about the last two movies. I just. I wish there had been much more. Her. When I when she's on screen, it's it feels new and exciting, and everybody else is kind of. 
well, less exciting. And uh, yeah, I don't think there was enough of her. Yes. Okay, so my issue is that I think the Wonder Woman movie was quite good, but I think the fact that I think people were just hungering for a Wonder Woman movie and the fact that it was generally quite good means I think people overpraise that film a little bit more than it was. Like, a little bit more than it deserves. And then you look at the criticism of this, which is that Wonder Woman needed to be in it a lot more. And the problem with these big team movies is that often characters do get lost a little bit amongst the fact that you have to service six different characters and give them more or less equal weighting. I think she was kind of weighted okay, but I don't think she was really given a hero moment. And that's where I think the disconnect is with Wonder Woman. I think people actually need to see her do something. What did you do this weekend, Diana? Nothing very interesting. Whereas you look at the other characters who actually did have hero moments, but they were incredibly dull characters. There's the aforementioned Cyborg, who in the comics... Oh, man, so depressing, that guy. Well, yeah, in the comics, they keep on trying to make him a thing because DC doesn't have a huge wealth of characters of colour. And so he's the one they've decided to elevate up to become part of the Justice League. Whereas he's just kind of an awful character. And it's hard to really want to relate to someone. And also, why focus on a person of colour when you're going to hide most of him through, like, cyborgs and replace most of his humanity? Well, because he can connect to the internet. <laughs> That's his power. He's your Wi-Fi hotspot. Oh, my God. And along those lines, I totally... I had some ups and downs throughout the movie, and then I totally turned on it when they had him say booyah at the Ugh. end. Nobody <laughs> says booyah anymore. They haven't since the 90s. It's just, and he's the only black character. It's just so dumb. Booyah. I bristle at anyone who says booyah on screen or that's what I'm talking about. Oh, and is, <laughs> no, there isn't a that's what I'm talking about. No, not But there this. is an oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's a, what does Aquaman do? Oh, man. Oh, like talks he, to fish? He does, no, but he's got a couple <laughs> of those kinds of lies. He's It's either, an, oh, yeah, or uh, he, I don't think he quite <laughs> goes as far as... Is there a let's do this? No. Oh, there's probably a few let's do, let's do this. He yeah. might say yeah. let's do... Oh, my God, that is a crime. <laughs> Did we like Aquaman broadly? I don't feel that sequence underwater with um, Amber Heard. I didn't really understand the family relationships there. Yeah. I guess it's going to be fleshed out in the Aquaman movie. Um, You'd hope so. Well... Yeah, no. uh, I think sequences like that are stronger if they just don't get included. Yeah. I'd prefer just to meet her. But we had to find the box that was underwater, so... We didn't even have to go underwater. I don't know that we did. No, we didn't. <laughs> we needed we to, some wavy effects. But we needed to be underwater just to see what the point of Aquaman is. Couldn't you just give him something to do that doesn't involve the box? Maybe the introduction to him has him just under the water doing something cool. I love the casting of Jason Momoa mm. as Aquaman. I don't know what, what to think about him or what to care about. Or he's just seemed like some bro that came out of the water to throw a fork around. And wear a fisherman's jumper. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was he kind was of fine. fun, but yeah. yeah. I, I'm looking forward. He is in the best moment of the movie for me, which is uh, between him and Wonder Woman when he sits, sits on, on the lesser yeah. of truth. Yeah. The lariat. I'm glad she gets the payoff in that scene. Yeah. Because you're not great. sure. Because he's talking about everyone else and talking about how hot she is. And I thought, mm, she better get the payoff here. And she does. So I guess it makes it okay. And on that point, oh, the yeah. wardrobing yes, does. very different. Clearly, yeah, not Patty Snyder shooting this one. Yeah, there's already been a comparison on the internet of the Amazon's different outfits and their lack of armour on yeah. their essential organs. Um, and her in civilian clothes. Well, exactly. Plunging necklines she can't bend over. But, yeah, I'm not the first to make that point, but it was readily apparent. 
I rationalized it as part of the reason we like certain kinds of movies is we like to see super hot people being super hot. And so I... I mean, the men are in skin-tight cod pieces in their full outfits, but her cleavage is yeah. on full show. And, I mean, good on her, it, yeah, but it is a different way that she's dressed than in Wonder Woman. Yeah. Okay, so there's a few other characters we probably need to run through. Ezra Miller as the Flash, yay or nay? I didn't hate him as much as I thought I was going to. He stopped short of being obnoxious for me, barely. Yeah. I think he's kind of emblematic of how tacked on the Joss Whedon stuff felt. I felt it was really... Yeah, he was the focal point for all of that. Those jokes came out of nowhere. Well, suddenly these people have a sense of humor. We have, It's been several it movies. It needed it, though. It definitely needed it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess a couple of moments worked, but it just felt like, here's Zack Snyder's movie, and we're taking a break for a Joss Whedon moment. Now, where I thought a lot of the Flash stuff worked was when they started integrating Superman into it. Yeah. So while Ezra Miller is the Flash, he's slightly annoying, just a little bit too uh, reminiscent of the Quicksilver character from the Avengers mm. and also the X-Men uh, films. Different Quicksilver kind of... Same powers. Same guy, different universes. Yeah. While that was kind of, it was what it was, and I thought it was fine, I was half amused by it, I liked the way that they used him as a contrast to Superman in two different scenes. The big problem with the Zack Snyder films has been that Superman, for a character who's representing hope, doesn't really do anything to actually instill hope amongst humanity. Like, you talk about the absence of hope in his death, but it's like, well, when we actually saw him on screen, he wasn't doing anything that was particularly Superman-like. Here, once he's revived and has his little zombie moment, post that, as soon as he's in the costume again, he's the Superman that I think we're all looking for. Yeah. And they reflect that nicely through The Flash in two scenes. Uh, there was one where The Flash and Superman go charging out of whatever that big structure they were in and go to save the local townspeople in mm -hmm. the Russian town. Okay, and you see it all through the eyes of The Flash as he's chasing after that family that we'd seen inserted into the film Way too many times until that point. Yeah, there's just one family in that village? Yeah, well, apparently. there's yeah. a symptom of the wider community. Yeah, so he's pushing their so, ute. Yeah, he to goes safety. to push their ute. <laughs> and, like, that was kind of a nice sequence. It's like, oh, you know, he saves some people. Yeah. But then you see what Superman's been up to at that same time and saving a giant, you know, apartment, apartment block. block of... <laughs> yeah. That was a nice moment. And yeah. so it was good because you could have showed Superman doing that and that would have just been generically naff. But here you actually got to see the scale of one hero saving people against another. And I thought that worked nicely to re-establish Superman and the scale that they're working at. And the second one was more a nod for the comic book fans. And it's the closing credits where Superman and the Flash are going to have a bit of a race. And this is the thing that their characters do in the comics and have since the right. mid-60s. So, I mean, it was kind of a nod to the comics characters while also, I think, sort of establishing that Superman can do fun things like have a foot race with his friend. Well, a couple of my favorite moments from the movie were, or the moments that I liked were Superman moments. They were um, when the Flash is moving really fast and only Superman, he can still yeah. keep up. Yeah. Like, that was pretty cool. And then also when Superman comes back and he, yeah. I forget what the line is, but I mean, the, I think the John Williams score might play Yeah, there's a nice integration and, of the themes, yeah. Yeah. Danny, um, that was nice. Danny Elfman, who did the score for this, also did the 1989 Batman yeah. film. You mm -hmm. could hear it in there. That's it. And so he gave an interview the other day, which was saying that he thinks it's a lost opportunity for a lot of these big franchise films for them not to revisit the scores of previous incarnations of it. And he cited the Star Wars and James Bond films as doing it remarkably well because they've got these musical scores that everyone knows and it just brings all the films together. And Whereas it, you look at the three Spider-Man movies and it's like, well, three different versions of Spider-Man. And it's like, well, you know, nothing links them together and it just feels like this weird mess of movies. 
And so he, when he was scoring this, he went to the John Williams theme. He brought back his own theme from the 89 Batman and wove in as the musical score, which I thought was very well done. I, li- I liked it and it was well done. But a- as I've said before um, on a variety of um, shows, I also resent the um, cheap uh, squeezing of my nostalgic um, muscles. No, I don't know if that's the way you say that. I liked it, but still. You're aware of being yeah, yeah. played with. I'm okay. being played with, yeah. I was being manipulated. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about Batman. This is Batman land. What a concept. Is it Batman? What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. So Batman is the pivotal character in this, and it seemed like there were two Batman on display, and you could tell because they were shot, at, you know, maybe six months <laughs> apart. <laughs> there were literally two body types of Ben Affleck on screen. Well, that's it. Like, Ben Affleck is a much smaller guy in the Joss Whedon <laughs> scenes, where he's a huge rippling dude in the Zack Snyder aspect. Yeah. Now, we've seen the Zack Snyder Batman a number of times, but I thought there was uh, maybe two scenes that I wanted to focus on here. One, the opening scene where one of the heroes is in a... I don't remember if it's actual opening, opening scene. Uh, but you had Batman on the rooftop and he's uh, yes. sort of... It's, it's a flash, like a um, homage, I guess, the beginning of 89 Batman where you see Batman facing the hood on the rooftop. And you've got Batman and he starts sort of jumping around um, fighting a parademon uh, who interrupts <laughs> the scene. And he's got no weight to him and it just kind of felt completely in contrast to what we'd seen from the Zack Snyder Batman previously. Where if you remember the action scenes with Batman, like it actually felt grounded. There was some like actual gravity like to play with with Batman. And you're watching it and like he was this real force of nature because he was doing things that were incredibly beyond what a human can really do. But you still got a sense that a person could kind of do it. Whereas I think this may be a Joss Whedon scene. Okay, because the entire way that the Batman fight ballet sort of took place wasn't really in that same level of um, reality. It could turn out it was Zack Snyder, but it just felt like it was a different Batman than we'd seen previously from Snyder. Okay. And it was the problem with the special effects across the board, where there's no gravity for any of it. They weren't great at all. And even Steppenwolf, that was very ropey effects, I thought. And the battles with the Amazons, that was just generic. Oh, yeah, that looked uh, terrible. People falling over in hours. It it just was, you know, I I, I switch off when there's no, I don't feel invested in the fights. No, not at all. It's just someone's run the program and Um, it's all animatronics. No, you're right. Where the CGI really worked, I thought, was where they seemed to recreate half of um, Henry Cavill's face (laughs) because of that mustache problem, made him look like, Shrek or something yeah, for half the movie. Yeah, it was a little movie. funny. The it was horrible. So distracting. I actually liked that that opening Batman scene because it was the only thing that felt, well, just totally the opposite. It, I felt like that's what Batman does. That's why I like Batman because he swings around and he's good with his hands before the alien shows up. Yeah. I don't want to see Batman fighting aliens. I want him to see him fighting crime. Yeah, fighting justice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we like Affleck as Batman in these films? He just seemed depressed in this one. I liked him more in the other one. Yeah? I think so. I I liked him more in this one, I think. I, well, he, the whole, like broadly the film is about guilt and fallibility and, you know, he's having a go at Wonder Woman for retreating when that's kind of what he's done or hasn't realised that that's what he's doing and it's all a bit PTSD. I like his scenes with Alfred. Jeremy Irons got to do a little bit more here. It was more less, like he was kind of his offsider showing up, bringing Lois and, yeah, yeah, kind of on call. I like that relationship and it makes Alfred a lot more vital to the universe. Yeah, He's a lot like the Alfred from the 1960s show. He's a lot like the Alfred. Remember last week we saw him dressed up as Batman. He got out there and about. Correct. 
There's oh. a penguin joke as well. Yes, exploding like penguins. Yeah. yeah. I really wanted him and Wonder Woman to get together. I did not, and I'm glad that they did not. Oh, all right. Well, they kind of do in the cartoons. Do they? Yeah, in the Justice League cartoons from the Because I thought 90s. Superman and Wonder Woman get married at some point. Uh, I think that's just a I, I, thing. I don't think we need to see Wonder Woman married off. I think <laughs> She doesn't have to be married off. Yeah, her relationships, uh, you know, that's fine. She, she could get she married is, of her own volition. I know she can, but I don't need to see it. I don't need her hooking up with Batman. They, they kind of allude to it here, but they don't pursue it, and that's good. I just want to see the two of them happy together. <laughs> what, with Superman or Batman? Uh, Batman. Yeah. Because I like Ben Affleck more than I like Henry Cavill in this scenario. Well, I feel the problem's been that Henry Cavill hasn't really been able to play to his strengths. And watching it at the end of this movie, I think, you know, CGI moustache removed and all, I think he actually had some legitimate chemistry with a lot of the co-stars once he was wearing a Superman costume. Mm. And I'd like to see him actually have the opportunity to be that charming character again in another feature. I honestly, sometimes I thought I was watching Ron Perlman. I thought, it, I thought suddenly it was Beauty and the Beast. It was terrifying. Oh, gosh. Uh, A couple of quick things. Uh, First of all, do we want to see more of it if it's based off this sort of a Whedon final act of Justice League rather than what's been so far? I'm tired of these aliens, man. I've had it with the aliens. What's Superman? Well, he comes from another planet, planet called He's one of the good ones. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) You are listening to an SBS podcast here. Uh, Nicholas. Fee, yes. what about yourself? Would you like Present. to see more set in this part of the uh, world? Well, I mean, the ending where they're setting up a, a building, putting a table in, going to more seats at the table. Well, so it, was I state, think, yeah. it wasn't just any building. It was Stately Wayne Manor. Ah, uh, of course it was. Yeah. Yes. Uh, needs a bit of a spruce up, though. And, um, yeah, clearly more are expected. They're going to keep adding to this universe. Well, I asked about this because the box office has not been particularly great for mm. it. Is that right? Nor have the reviews. So box office wise, uh, in the US it did $96 million over the weekend. For that's not a, good, is it? For a lot of films, that's not so bad. For a film that supposedly cost $300 million because they sort of remade this film twice in order to yeah. marry up the Weed and the Snyder, uh, it has done 281.5 globally over the weekend or that's the expectation once right. they get all the money money's in. It's going to have a better life than most films which rely on an opening weekend because they've got the Thanksgiving weekend that they're moving into as well Mm, and nothing's like they're launching that weekend. So it should have a second run at it. They're expecting probably about like a 40%, 50% drop, which is traditional. Do we know what um, Thor did? Uh, I don't know. Well, we do know, but I don't have it here. A lot. Um, It didn't do like gangbusters business. Like it it performed well, mm, mm, but yeah, like it hasn't set like any records. I'm curious... The Justice League that never was, the Dr. George version. Yeah, from... so George Miller had made, well, had, was in production. Mm. I think it was like first day of shooting and they shut it down. 2009. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, without knowing that much about that, I would be much more interested in seeing what he would have done. I'm just not that into this. I, it was making me miss the Christopher Nolan Batman. The. Did you feel this way with Batman versus Superman though? You, you're stronger on that than you are on this. Yeah, I liked that. There were just a couple of things that I could get very excited about in that movie, even though I also think that movie is not good. But the Batman fight scene in the warehouse, I thought that was something very special. And Wonder Woman showing up and then playing the music, yeah. very special. That Wonder Woman theme just gets me every it time. I'm so, so into it. so good. Yeah. Whoever, uh, they should give that, that dude 
or whoever came up with that, the Oscars. It's a great theme. Was it Hans Zimmer? I believe it is. Yeah. But um, and in this one, there was some nice moments. But I'm not. I didn't ex- get excited about watching the Flash run around fast. I didn't get excited about Cyborg um g- going online and checking yeah. his email. He didn't have a very well thought out origin. No. It, it, he's part mother box. Yeah, that's right. He's related to the mother boxes. Yeah. Yeah, part football or part mother box. Yeah. yeah. Aquaman had a nice moment where they play the White Stripe song and um, he litters with that whiskey bottle into the ocean somehow. <laughs> I thought that would be antithetical to what he's all about. But that was kind of cool and the big wave comes and that's kind of fun. I, you know, I was into that sort of. Yeah. I, I think the problem for me coming out of it is that I immediately wanted to see a dedicated Flash movie. I want to see Aquaman, which is coming. You still year. do. I do. Like, I'd like to see what they do with their character in their own film and actually play up to the strengths of that character. I don't think The Flash was given a particularly great sequence to really uh, like, just find myself <sighs> enthralled in him specifically. Well, what, the, what was that? The Billy Crudup two scenes in the prison to give him some emotional well, grounding? That's the same problem as Aquaman with no. Mirror. No. Where, but yeah, exactly. Like, What's the point of showing <laughs> it in that if they're not going to explore it further within yeah, the cares? film? Yeah, who cares? Yeah. My, and the post-credit sequence setting up for something else. That's intriguing. The yeah. death stroke. You mean the Lex Luthor? Death stroke. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, um, death stroke came before Deadpool because they're very similar. Yeah. And apparently this... Well, Deadpool is a parody of death stroke. Yeah. Yeah. I was sort of thinking that I wish there was a little bit more Deadpool in these movies now, doing something different, really different. Well, what I was curious about is The Flash originally, the guy that was going to direct that was going to be the gentleman who did Dope. Ah, if you remember Dope from yeah, like last idea. year. A couple yeah, of years ago now. Really yeah. great film, really vibrant. And I'd Which like film? to see Dope. It was. Yes. Yeah, I think set in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like it had a, a bunch 90s of, vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. A lot of fun. And I'd like to see that aesthetic laid onto The Flash, but he had a falling out with Warners and that didn't really end up happening. And so they pushed The Flash back a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'd like to see something like that, a similar aesthetic to Dope, which was playing around with the form of film a fair bit and mm. had like a great sense of humour to it. I think The Flash would do great on that sort of a um, directorship. Where, um, where do you put this movie in ranking in terms of superhero movies? Like in which you put in top 10, bottom 10? Well, it's certainly not is 10. It, is it better than the first Thor like, where is it for you? Sorry, don't we have like about 45 films now yeah. to go through to structure this? <laughs> yeah, but I want off the top of your head for instant reactions. Well, can, we're a little divergent here, but is there consensus better than Suicide Squad? Yes. Well, that's not that hard, <laughs> I know, exactly. It? I'm just trying to find some more yeah, around here. Definitely yeah. better than Suicide Squad. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, yeah, compared to Suicide Squad. It's like, it's I found genius. it more enjoyable than Batman versus Superman, but yeah. I like the director's cut of Batman versus Superman a bit oh, more. I, I but could so not. few people have seen it, and asking people to watch an extra half hour of that is... It's already 40 it's minutes ask. too long. Yeah, I yeah. can't. I'd take your word for that. Mm. What about in terms of Batman movies? Well, there was no Bat credit card in this one. Yeah, which is definitely a, a big strike against <laughs> Is it better than Batman Forever? Yes. <laughs> is it better it's, than... It's better than any Schumacher Batman. <laughs> is it better than um, The Dark Knight Rises? No. no. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, Dark Knight Rises feels like a legitimate movie, whereas this feels like it's propping up future franchise movies. 
And what I liked about it's this It's not movie, rowing that boat alone, though. No. But, I mean, what I like about this film is the potential for the films going forward. And it's a potential I didn't really feel with the previous incarnations. Okay, so you can see this taking shape and you're, you're yeah. interested. You, want, you I, want to see where it goes. That's yeah. it. I, I, yeah, like I said, I walked out and was like, that was fine. I was surprised by the critical bucketing because I thought it's on balance. I think it's better than Batman vs Superman because it's, I think mm-hmm. um, the Zack Snyder impulse to make it 40 minutes longer than it needs to be was cut short um, and that is leavened with the Joss Whedon humour, which I think these films need, but it doesn't tip into obnoxious which a lot of the Marvel movies can be. So I, I thought it was a bit more balanced with, with the asterisk for the reasons I've stated it had shortcomings. Yeah, I guess when I, when I left the theatre, I whispered a little booyah to myself, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about how great the next movie is going to be. Now, just briefly, I just want to look at the critical uh, consensus. So I think Fee and I are a bit more favourable on it. Nick, you're even more mixed than we are. We're pretty mixed. I mean, yeah, I would say I'm more on the downside, but I, I, I definitely liked some moments. Do you think it's 39% Rotten Tomatoes score down? Like, would you go with that low on it? Because I think that's a little bit low for what yeah. I think this film has done. Yeah, I would give it, I'd go over 50. Like, I'd go 55 maybe. Yeah, 55 sounds good. I'd feel comfortable there. But yeah, 39% from critics. Now, an interesting thing with Rotten Tomatoes is everyone was looking for that Rotten Tomatoes score when the embargo broke, that mm. they'd get onto it quickly the company actually delayed the Rotten Tomatoes score because oh. they saw that as an opportunity to publicise their new Facebook Watch series called See It or Skip It, which is a show that they produce exclusively for the oh. Facebook platform. So that's a, criti- uh, critics, a pair of critics who sit there and talk about the films of the week. There's been a few episodes now, but they saw this as being a big driver to get people onto it. So on that show a few days ago, they announced their Rotten Tomatoes score, and at that point it was 40-something. So it's mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. dropped since that program. But I don't really like the idea of a website which is built on the idea of giving an aggregated score, holding off to make sure that people go to a third-party flat, yeah. pa- a platform to see their score before it comes across the site. Those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, just I really liked that when I was looking at the closing credits, waiting for the Deathstroke scene. Uh, they did have a number of uh, special thanks to a whole bunch of comic book creators. Oh. I don't know for sure if this is the case, but it might be the first Batman film to have Bill Finger credited as the co-creator of Batman. Oh, cool. Mm. So I think the credit goes as Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Oh, right. That's the way okay. that's written. But Very yeah, that, nice. that was up there. So I don't know if that was on Batman versus Superman as well, but this might be the first time they've got that. But also some other well-known Batman-related um, creators have been involved in the um, you know special things. So Grant Morrison, who's had a fairly notable run recently with Batman, uh, but former Batman Land guest Nicola Scott, uh, oh, she got a hey. special thanks, and very notable for the fact that she's the first woman to have ever gotten a thanks on oh. one of these. I hope she got more than a thanks. Well, I because so as well. according to well, friend of the Batman Land show, Nicholas Scott, she a lot of her work is in these Justice mm. League movies. Yeah, yeah. That thanks had some cash attached. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was interesting to see uh, Roadshow when they were doing the promotion of the film in Australia. You could win some Nicholas Scott art, so it was oh, very cool. much based around the idea of not just win comic book art, but Nicholas Scott comic yeah, book that's art. Yeah, right? that's yeah, that's got credit. Very nice. Yeah, so I thought that was very cool. Anyway, guys, hi. Justice League. I think we're giving it a just barely pass. <laughs> if you haven't checked it out yet... Uh, well, then we've just completely spoiled it for you. Well, I should I mean, say yeah. that my, I went with my seven-year-old, and uh, he, um, his fa- I asked him uh, 
who his favorite characters were, are, what his, does he like this movie more than the other Batman movies, other superhero movies he's seen. And for him, the last movie he's seen is the best one. And he really liked um, The Flash because he was funny. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I was wondering how this film would play for kids. He loved it. He had a great time. Yeah. Because I don't think it's too weighty or too dark for kids to get along to it, I think. No. He was only scared at one point there was a pop-out thing. He cried at the booyah. I'll tell you what I cried at. <laughs> Your son hates traditional stereotype scripting. He um, cried at the booyah and other short stories. The bad covers of Come Together and Everybody Knows were oh my offensive. God. <laughs> offensive. Classic Beatles song, classic Leonard Cohen song. I can't believe they did that. Mm. Not great. Yeah, they were playing it in the theatre before yeah. it started. Oh, that doesn't bode well. That said, that screening... Dress-up competitions at the premieres are always quite fun. Oh, um, did a lot of people get dressed up? Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but enough to have a competition. Very nice. Um, and exiting the cinema, there was a Batman who was a very convincing Batman and um, my gentleman caller who was at the screening with me <laughs> coming down the stairs, he's right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it could have been Ben Affleck in the pumped-up Zack Snyder scenes, not the uh, diminished. Was it packed in your theatre? Because it was a special screening. Yeah. Mine, I went in a non-special screening. Saturday night, there's barely anybody in there. Major cinema chain. Saturday night. Yeah. Dendy. In, okay. In Newtown. Yeah. I was surprised. Well, maybe, yeah. I was, you think that the, is the surprising. Hipsters, hipsters don't want to see this movie. Maybe, well, I but. think they go to the larger screen. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just thought it was indicative <laughs> of maybe how excited people are about this movie. Yeah. I definitely think a lot of people will be chased off from the bad critical dropping it's gotten. I don't think it's that bad. It's not good. Let's, I don't think anyone would disagree with saying it's not a good movie, mm. but I think it's a perfectly fine movie yeah. and much better than you'd otherwise expect. I, I'm honestly surprised at the level of drubbing it has received because, for me, it, it doesn't stand out as a real stinker compared to what's come before. It's, it's Yeah, I, that's why I'm a little bit surprised that people are so rough on this. Maybe coming off Thor, it's a couple of weeks after Thor, which everyone's raving about so maybe it's right. it's getting more of a comparison to that than it would otherwise um, but yeah i just find it strange vanity fair richard lawson i think his name is gave it a he gave it a really bad review he said it's worthless not even it's just so bad and and unredeemable and then um on twitter i saw that he got into an argument or he would he was getting bombarded by People accusing him of being in Marvel's pocket. You get that. Yeah, this has been a thing going yeah. on. And so, and that just strikes me as such weird superhero movie nerd. Yep. Like, are you serious about, are these people serious? Yeah, yep. sadly. Happens all the time. Is, does it? Every time there's a Marvel or a DC movie, there is the, it's you're insane. in the other's pocket, you're, yeah. But anyway, it's go, ridiculous. Guys, we need to wrap this up. This is Batman Land. We'll be back this Friday with a new Batman Land. In fact, this week has a excellent interview with a gentleman named Zach. He has built his own Batmobile. Oh, boy. Okay. Zach also seen in costume at the Justice League premiere. Was he there? He may oh, well right. have been yeah. the Batman behind me. Uh, sure. so yes. He has a big beard at the moment, so he's the bearded Batman at Justice League. <laughs> he's got a very realistic suit. Might have been him. I think that was him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Zach. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, like, people need to listen to this interview with Zach. He's yeah. a really interesting guy, and... One of the more fun interviews I think I've done. 
for Batman Land so far. So give that a listen. Uh, myself and Nick will be chatting to Zach on Friday. So we will be back then with the one true Batman, Adam West. And Adam West, noteworthy from the Hollywood Reporter article during the week that looked at 25 years since Mr. Plough, if you remember the Simpsons episode. Amazing if episode. you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Guest starring Adam West. And there's a really great quote in the article in the Hollywood Reporter from one of Adam West's daughters. And she says that Adam, as well as, you know, the family, just consider the revitalization of his career later in life from him doing the spot in The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Great scene. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Definitely. Anyway, this has been Batman Land. A very big thanks to Fiona and Nick for talking Justice League with me. Uh, my name's Dan. You can find us on Twitter, Fiona Ware. At anything but Fifi. Nick. I'm at Booyah. Booyah fan. Uh, <laughs> Booyah bat fan. Uh, Booyah bat fan 2000. I'm at Nick Pacine. And people can find me at the Dan Barrett. Use the hashtag Batman Land when you're discussing the show on your socials. And leave reviews. Helps people find the program. We'll catch you next time. Of course I'm Batman. See, here's a picture of me with Robin. Who the hell's Robin? Oh, I guess you're only familiar with the new Batman movies. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> the only true Catwoman is Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, or Eartha Kitt. And I didn't need molded plastic to improve my physique. Pure West.